Love Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Authentic Messengers. My name is Catherine Van Wetter and I'll be your host today. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, I have been interviewing different authors from our book, Life Sparks. All of these interviews have been archived, so if you miss one, you can go to www.blogtalk.com forward slash AuthenticMessengers.com. Please also check out our Facebook page at Authentic Messengers and give a thumbs up or a comment, or if you know of anyone, including yourself, who would like to be interviewed, please let us know. And today I'm excited to be interviewing Kaya Murphy, who is an advanced energy medicine practitioner. She helps her clients heal their hurt, gain clarity, and find focus so they can get, get to their goals with grace and ease. She is the founder of the Ventura Healing Center. Kea is a mother of three and lives with her dog in Ventura, California. And welcome. And I know I did ask you how to pronounce your name, and I hope that I pronounced it correctly. You did fantastic, Catherine. Thank you so much. And hello, everyone. Thank you. I'm really excited to to hear about what it is that you do and, and maybe also to say what it means to be an advanced energy practitioner. Maybe we can start with that and then into how you actually got started doing your work. Thank you for that question. I really love to share that and people wonder, like, what is energy medicine? So, <coughs> excuse me. It is, it's the essence of who we are. At our very core, this is who we are. This is who you are. This is who the listener is at this moment. But what happens is as the child grows up, is taught that, is taught to fear, is taught to say no, is taught to please, and the child forgets who the child really is. And over time, because of the social environmental conditioning, the person, when they come, you know, walk in through my doors and come in and sit in the chair opposite me, I see that child, but what they know is their pain, their anger, sorrow, fear, guilt, shame, hurt, doubt. And there is an overwhelm, they feel trapped, they feel stuck, and they really feel lost. So when I sit in front of them, being a highly sensitive person myself, and right now I claim it as a gift, as a blessing, because until now, not not until now, for a very long time I thought it was a curse. But now I know it's a gift, Mm -hmm. that's why I'm here. This is Mission Kea. Mission Kea is to help people discover themselves, to unravel and to release and let go of everything that's keeping them trapped and living their life to their fullest potential. So the energy is within them. All I help them do is acknowledge them. I hear them and sometimes maybe touch them. And through that, they become who they are meant to be. I hope it made sense. Mm-hmm. But oh, really what happened. <laughs> and it's interesting because... Um, as you're talking and as we look at the 
the polarization that is currently happening in our nation and really in the world. And also after 9-11, many people seem to be um, in the trauma and in the fear and in the anxiety and a lot of the unresolved woundedness and um, PTSD issues and also trauma really began coming up to the surface and wondered if you could glean some insight as to how it is that we live in a world now where it seems like so much unresolved issues have come to the surface and you answered a little bit how people can go about healing that and resolving that once and for all. The the biggest thing, hurdle, that people need to overcome, and once people overcome this hurdle, everything starts to flow, is self-acceptance. Accept yourself just the way you are in this moment, whether you're tall, whether you're short, you're skinny, you're fat, you're black, you're white, you're brown, or whatever. You know, just accept yourself the way you are. Because I'll give you a simple example, okay? Let's say you're sitting in a circle of four people or 40 people. It doesn't matter. And if I say, okay, everybody take a piece of paper and write down your current challenges, okay? And everybody writes it down. And you put the pieces of paper on the table. Now, because you put a piece of paper on the table, you have to pick up a piece of paper too from the table. And trust me, when people look at everyone else's troubles and challenges, they'll be like, oh, I'm fine with mine. And they'll just pick up theirs and they'll take it back. They'll be like, okay, I don't want anyone else's. Mine is good enough. I can't believe that people have to go through that much hell. This mind seems like a cakewalk. And that is what it is, you know. Your troubles are really a blessing in disguise. And once you embrace mm-hmm. it, you will fuel yourself, you know. You will amp yourself because knowing like if you look at it as a problem yeah you don't know what to do but if you look at it as a challenge you'll be like okay I can overcome it but if you look at it as a situation then all you have to do is just work through it find an accountability partner find a support team and just walk through it but you can do all of that only when you accept yourself period mm-hmm. self-acceptance well it's it- it's interesting because you talk to it as a situation, and I know um, Eckhart Tolle looks at things as not being problems but as being situations. Um, so interesting that you use that verbiage. And also, how is it or why is it? Because I know you you were born and raised in India. I wondered how, um, how it is that you may see folks in the United States being so burdened with the self-remorse, with the shame, with the lack of self-acceptance, because it seems to plague a lot of um, Americans, and I won't even begin to say what it's like for other countries, but here in the United States, it seems to be a real issue. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yes, I do. And I don't know how our audience is going to react to this, but I will leave it to them, because I'm just a farmer. I'm planting seeds. What happened in America 50 years ago is right now happening in India, okay? So we can't anymore say that America is West and India is East. The entire world, because of the globalization, it's like a uniculture, okay? It's one village and no one is sleeping. At any point, someone is awake. So having said that, what happened over here during this 
um, right after Second World War, what happened in America, and this is my own point of view, what happened is women had to go out to work. And because women went out to work, the old paradigm was that a man provides and a woman puts up, right? That's how it was. Man provides, mm-hmm. woman puts up. And then when a woman started providing, slowly, 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 she started saying, I'm not going to put up anymore. And when the woman went out to work, what happened is the child got left behind. So children grew up. And when I came to America, this was one thing, like even 20, 22, 23 years ago, I used to hear people say 25 years ago, my mother is a FB, you know, you know that word. And I was oh, my God, I can't. and I was 26, 27, and I, believe, I can't believe they said they say these things about their mother. I said, oh, you don't know my mom. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to know about your mom, but I believe every mother is a goddess. This is my model of the world. You don't have to agree with me. But what happened is when the mother went out to work, like yesterday I was talking to a friend, and she says, I need to have three jobs so I can keep the light on in my home. She has two little girls. Mm-hmm. What happens is the mm-hmm. children grow up motherless. They grow mm-hmm. up motherless. Because in the evening when the mother picks up the children and comes home, even if there's a daddy, all she wants to do now is cook, clean, shower, and put them to bed, fix lunch, and go back to bed, go to sleep. So the children really mm-hmm. do not get that, you know, touch, the hugs, the kisses, you know, all that thing that kids really want before they are eight years old. You know, it's between the ages of zero to eight. When our subconscious mind is being formed, that is the time. We need this tender touch. We need the time with our mother. We need unconditional love and unconditional acceptance. And today, the people, like I'm 51 years old, my colleagues, my compadres, the people I hang around with, when I see them, the people in their 50s, they did not get that. Mm -hmm. They did not get that. And that is why everyone is like, constantly looking for love in all the wrong places you know we are looking for love like I will love you and you love me back no love begins with the self Mm -hmm. you have to love yourself and when you love yourself you will meet people who love themselves and together you can love each other but if you are saying like I will love you and and you love me back you are going to lose the battle even before you began it it's a lost cause Mm -hmm. I hope it makes sense and I hope it answered your question oh it totally it totally makes sense, and it's so much of the verbiage I use, which is it's an inside job. And I know with the family constellation work I do, if there, if there is trauma that has not been resolved and that trauma being people either not being able to move out of their victim mentality or not having that awareness of self-care, self-acceptance, self-love, then it perpetuates itself throughout the system. And um, Mm -hmm. what you're saying about almost a motherless culture and how children were latchkey kids and, and of course, the the mechanism for survival, it it really has created a culture where people do sometimes have a difficult time becoming accountable. How is it if if you – because I know that you're trained in different things such as um, NLP – if someone if someone learns to self forgive and someone learns to move out of their victim mentality, it would that in your mind's eye would that help resolve um, some of the issues that they may have been burdened with when they were born and help them Absolutely. become loved? Absolutely. 
But forgiveness is never for others, Catherine. There's nothing mm-hmm. I can, you know, like there's nothing that I need to forgive you for. All I need is to forgive myself. But when I say that, it has become a cliche nowadays. I hear that a lot. You need to just forgive yourself. But when can you forgive yourself when you feel strong enough? Forgiveness will create strength, and only the strong can forgive. Because, And you need both. You need forgiveness, and mm-hmm. that is something like you come out of the self-victimization because knowing that people do the best they can with what they have and what they know right now. So if I knew more, mm-hmm. if I had more, I would do more. I would be more. But so if my mother at the age of 20, 18, 15, 25, whatever, she was a young girl. She was looking for life. She was looking for fun. She was looking for laughter. And her life stopped and I showed up. So imagine the amount of sacrifice mm-hmm. every mother goes through to raise her child. And then the child grows up and is a teenager and in the 20s or 30s or even 50s, 60s, 70s, still complaining about how their mother was whatever. And I'm like, seriously? You forget that your mother was also a child and a young lady and a young girl? So that forgiveness Mm -hmm. has to happen. And without that, you cannot, we are always like like the hamster in the wheel, forever spinning but not going ahead. But when you forgive, mm-hmm. then you are the victor because you found your own strength. And when you find your own strength, you know, you're no longer a victim. You can take anything on. And guess what happens? By Just by virtue of you forgiving, you'll find pe- forgiveness around you. You'll find people around you who are just like you. And you can support them. They support you. And together, you all become stronger. Mm. And that's part of the recognition that I'm another you and you're another me and our deep interconnection to one another um, yeah. is palpable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, from reading some of your profile back in 9-11, as, as many lost their job, you lost yours as well, and it also brought you to do a soul quest. To, to go to the Himalayas and to yeah. to meet a guru. Can you talk a little bit about how it was 9-11 caused you to seek this out and what you found within yourself? Um, okay. Thank you for asking that question because that's very personal. That is very personal. And I am very grateful that I can share that story. So what happened when 9-11 happened? I used to work as a software engineer in Dallas in a dot com and you know the company closed and we were asked to go home with our carrying our laptops and those days laptops weighed as heavy as a briefcase. So we came home and all the electronics industries and the airline industries in Dallas were closing down and everyone was letting go and the job left the country. And this was uh the year two thousand one and my son, my youngest one was a one year old. And the one older than him was four. And one morning, I see him, and he says, Mom, I'm so happy to see you at home. And I'm like, oh, who needs a job? You know, I don't need a job. I just need to be home with my babies. <laughs> but being the person that I am, and my mom would always say, a woman with no money of her own is a woman with no um, respect of her own. And she had drilled mm-hmm. this into my head. Like, no, I need my own money. I need my own money. I need my own money. But... There are no jobs, and I'm going to, and I want to stay home and take care of my kids. 
So amidst all this, like, it was literally like I was pulling out gunk from myself, like literally, and spitting it on. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And then I said, you know what? We should all go to the Himalayas. We'll go on a trip to the Himalayas. And I practiced Kriya Yoga, and my teacher, he was going to have a three-month brahmachari training. Brahmachari is like a novice training in India, in his ashram. An ashram is a monastery. So I went to the mm-hmm. Himalayas, and there is this temple, which is called the Tungnath Temple, which is the highest temple dedicated to Lord Shiva. And I was, you know, you have to mm-hmm. climb up. It's like 18,000 feet. We climbed up. Um, it took us a long time. And then I sat over there, and I meditated. And the air was so thin and so beautiful. And through all the clouds, mm-hmm. I could see the village down there. And I was like, wow, you know, this is like perfect. And I was meditating, and all the colors were coming in. And I said, man, what's wrong with me? I have everything that anyone can ask for. Wonderful husband, I have a home, I have parents, I have brother, sister, I have kids, I have everything. And still I feel like a, you know, like terrible. I feel terrible. So what, and I was actually going to use a very foul word, sorry. I feel like the worst (laughs) possible state I'm in. So what's wrong with me? And the answer was, nothing's wrong with you. And I'm like, oh, what do I need to do? And again, there was no answer. And I'm like, man, I don't even know what I should be doing. So I said, okay, what am I good at? And I said, oh, I'm good at being happy and healthy. I have never been sick in my life. I I only went to a doctor three times in my life when I had my three babies. Others, I don't go to Western doctors. I do my own stuff. I was like, oh, that's what everybody wants to be. People want to be happy. People want to be healthy. So I'm going to help people do that. And then I said, well, I also don't have any fear, and I feel very loved. So I said, yeah, and people want to be loved, mm. and they want to overcome their fear. So that's what I'm going to help people with, being happy, being healthy, feeling loved, feeling safe. And how am I going to do that? No idea. So anyway, I came down <laughs> from the Himalayas, went to my guru's ashram, lived over there for three months, and that was a brutal thing, going living with your guru because he loves you so much that he's going to, like, yank out all your negativity, you know? It's like, oh, it's almost like your tooth is getting yanked out of your jaw. Every day I used to cry, and I'm like, why does my guru hate me so much? But now I know how much, how much, how much he loves me. Anyway, I came back, and I didn't know what to do. And then I even moved from Dallas and came to Los Angeles, just guided by spirit. And then I found an app that said, you can be a hypnotist for free. And I'm like, nothing is free. This is America. I called them and they said, well, we have a one-year program. So I enrolled and then I realized that hypnosis is not the, it's a gateway, but it's not everything. And that led me to studying you know, NLP, HUNA, and EFT, and yada, 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 10 million other things. And But that is how it happened. I was like, I wanted to kill myself, to be very honest, but I couldn't kill myself because I had kids. So, uh. Wow, and, and I thank you so much for sharing something that's so close to your heart. It's the beautiful, the vulnerability, and the candidness, and it feels like when we can share those parts of ourselves, we give permission for others to do it in a safe container Um, because isn't that where the self-compassion and the forgiveness and the love comes when we can share our own journey to assist and guide others? 
So thank you. Yes. Yes. So I say this not in vanity, but in extreme humility that like you are not alone. You just have to open mm-hmm. yourself up to receive the love and love will come rushing your way. I promise that. Mm. I promise that. And isn't it interesting, you know, as you as you talked about wanting to, to kill yourself, I, I one of the jobs I do here on island, I live up on Whidbey Island, is I work at the, with the University of Washington and I do suicide prevention here on island. And it's interesting, often when people think about ending their lives, it's not so much, it's, it, they're wanting the pain to go away. It's not necessarily that they don't want to be here. They want the pain to stop. And how much of us many times don't want to be here because the pain is so intense and releasing and resolving those parts of ourselves that have been stuck in the trauma and the suffering and to deeply honor them in order for them to be healed. And it sounds like you did that um, as you surrendered. Yes, it comes through surrender and allowing, you know, Mm -hmm. really knowing that you, if you believe in God, then you're a child of God. And if you don't believe in God, just know that the universe is waiting and desperate to help you and love you and if you believe in God then just believe that you're God's child and God is holding you and will do whatever it is that you ask for you know you just have to just because God knows everything that you want and again if you don't believe Mm -hmm. in God then trust me all you have to do is just speak it speak it give it voice (laughs) give voice to your fear your pain and you are heard and you don't even have to know what the answer is but you will notice around you all these people who are coming and helping you and they will help you for as long as you need their help and when you when they are done playing their role they will just leave and and it's funny how we how we want something and then it comes according to our own agenda and our own ego no, that's not the kind of partner I wanted. I wanted him to be taller. I wanted him to be handsome. <laughs> Yet yeah, recognizing that spirit or God um, gives us what's best for us. You don't always get what you want, but you always get what you need. And it comes yes, in the absolutely. most perfect package. <laughs> absolutely. The mantra yes. I often use is, I am the light, the light I am. To, to remember being in the light of what is amidst the so-called darkness that so many are feeling um, encapsulated with now, to remember this is there's something so much bigger happening out there. Yes, and, and without the darkness, we would not appreciate light. Like if you always mm-hmm. had sunshine, you would create only a desert. You know, like I live in Southern California. We have not had rain since 2009. And it has been a barren desert. And for the first time, you know, like eight, seven years, it is raining now. It's like no one is complaining anymore about the. We are like, oh, we need the rain. Oh, we need the rain. Because this ever, never-ending sunshine has created a an unlivable desert for us. So mm. yes, when we yeah. have one, then we appreciate the other. Mm. It reminds me of there's a beautiful saying in regards to crying because it reminds me in some ways of raining that if our eyes didn't have a rainbow, then if if our eyes didn't have tears, then our soul wouldn't have a rainbow. 
and thinking about mother crying and mother having the, the rain and many, many folks now are crying and releasing some of the um, stuck areas in themselves in order for new mm-hmm. growth to come. I'm Absolutely. curious how one of one of the things I know that you've talked about, not in the show but in other areas, is how to bridge the the head and the heart and the body. Can you talk a little bit about what your approach is to bridging head, heart, and body? Oh, that oh, thank you. That's a very powerful, and that gets people in the flow. So our head, mm-hmm. and it's a metaphorical head, okay? It's not our literal head. It's our thoughts, okay? Like we have all heard of some people being thinkers and some people being feelers, right? But mm-hmm. really, thinkers also feel and feelers also think. But people just believe, oh, I'm a thinker, I'm a thinker, I'm a thinker. Our people say, oh, I'm a feeler, I'm a feeler. No, don't make these like your your identity, okay? So when you have something coming, let's say if you have branded yourself as a feeler, then ask yourself, okay, if I ask, you know, and you can even do this exercise, you know, like put Sally on the chair. And if I ask Sally what she thought, what would she say? Or if I put John on the other seat and I asked him, like, what does he feel? What does he say? So you are actually projecting yourself outside of you. And that helps you gain objectivity. Because as long as you are within your own head or heart, you are like spinning, 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 and you don't have any answer. But this is like in a self-hypnosis, you know. You can see yourself sitting on another chair, and you have this feeling within you, oh, I should do this. But take this part of you outside of you and make that part of you sit on the other chair and say, what do you think? So if you are a feeler, ask, what do you think? And have this dialogue going on as until the thoughts and the feelings are in agreement with each other. This is a good exercise to do. Like sometimes my clients come with this. I never tell anyone what to do. I tell them, okay, see yourself on that chair and see this person going through this situation. I say, okay, put Sally in that chair and ask her what she wants. And suddenly they have the answer. It's because you are objective because everybody loves to help someone else. We are all so good giving advice to others and telling them what we think and what we feel. But when it comes to ourselves, the inner critic becomes like this nagging older sister like who's always telling you, remember last time? And you're like, yeah, I remember, forget it. But when you can have this conversation going on outside of you, your thoughts and feelings, once they become aligned, you're right away, you drop into your no zone, which is really your chi center. In Hawaii, we call it your na'au. You're basically your, your solar plexus, you know, because that is, you know, you just have it. So it's really your intuition, your intellect, and your instinct. They are all aligned, mm-hmm. and, like, you just get into the flow. Like, you become unstoppable. Because your thoughts are aligned with your mm-hmm. feelings. The feelings are aligned with what you know, and there you go. You know, you're, you're flowing. You're flowing. And everything just gets aligned with you, you know, all your resources come to you and you can have anything you want. Mm. As long as it's ecological. As long as it's ecological. That's another thing. Somebody says, oh, can I rob a bank? And I'm like, no, the universe will not support you if you decide to rob a bank. 
So as mm. long as it's ecological, it's good for the planet, good for you. Yes. And it's interesting living uh, living in a culture where so much emphasis is put on thought or on the mind, and at how many times people bypass the the intuitive sense or the 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 third um, the third brain the the gut ignoring that. Mm-hmm. So if someone finds themselves stuck in the loop of thinking, thinking, thinking so much and being distracted and perhaps using drugs or alcohol, having different types of addiction to quiet the brain, to quiet the mind, what do you, what do you tell folks who may be caught in that loop of getting out of the head and wanting to sense in yet also feeling distracted and having a compulsion addiction? I know I asked you a lot. That was a big question. So if no, you want to uh, tease that, it that's out. That's wonderful. That, no, that's wonderful. What I always do is I talk to the inner child. I talk to the child and ask, like, imagine you're 18 years old, or better yet, imagine you're 8 years old, and what would you love to do in this moment? You know, just picture or pretend. You know, because I'm a hypnotherapist, so I can use those suggestions. And I say, just picture or pretend, you know visualize or imagine that you are an eight-year-old child and what do you really want to do? And let's say the, if you ask your child who was eight years old and you thought he was this wisest uh, child of God and he had the answer, what would he say? And whatever comes out of their mouth and I look at them and like, hmm, how does that sound? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's it. But you have to mm. take them, you know, bypass the critical mind and go into their subconscious and get in touch with their own inner child where there's no ego. Only truth flows over there. Or I even take them. Mm-hmm. Uh, take your hand, you know, take your left hand on your heart and your right hand on your belly, below your belly, and just breathe. Take three deep breaths, breathe in and out, and tell me now, what is the child telling you? And or what what are you feeling? What are you sensing? You know, and they have the answer. They have to get in touch with their body. I actually make them close their eyes, left hand on heart, right hand in their chi center. You know, just like maybe the thumb is on their um, belly button, and the rest of the hand is below that, and the answer just flows mm-hmm. through them like wise being. Mm. Does it, how is it that you use those hands? Could it be any hand, or is there significance to placing the left hand in your heart and the right hand below your belly? Because uh, our physical heart is towards the left, and the muscle, you know, it's like one long muscle connecting us and connecting the heart with their left hand. So it's almost like you're like closing the circuit. You know, you're closing the mm. circuit. You bring it, bring your left hand to your heart, uh, your physical heart, and your right hand, it goes down to the belly, and usually most of the people in my office are right-handed, you know, the thinkers. Um, but still, you, know, you just play with it, you know. And some people, when I just say, put your hand on your heart and one hand on the belly, I always see them do that, you know. So it's mm-hmm. okay, let's stick with that. And it's mm-hmm. almost like you're closing your circuit, you know. If you're eating with your right hand, it goes into your belly. Your left hand, you know, you just you just wire yourself in a certain way, and the energy just flows. You know, your belly talks, your heart your heart listens, your heart talks, your head listens. You know, your mouth talks, speaks, <laughs> and your ears hear. You know, it's it's all through them, through them. You know, 
It's all there. Yeah, and how mm-hmm. many how many how many of us have been baffled by our own wisdom of our bodies and I always would say your issues are in your tissues because if we ever like the Carolyn Mace would talk about your biology is your biography that everything mm-hmm. we carry in our body has been symbolic of, of our own life and our unconscious in many ways is our body. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, a simple formula, because you were talking about the head, but a simple formula to overcome any fear? Fear, I mean, like, you know, everybody has heard this, fear is false evidence appearing real. And that's true. But, you know, when you say it, it sounds nice, but you still have to deal with your own fear. So, and me being a writer, I like to write things out. So it's almost like I'm unraveling everything that's spinning in my head and it comes out on the paper and then I read it back to myself and I'm like, wow, that's it, that was it. But um, if someone has to deal with their own fear, I feel it is safe that they do it with someone around them. But in that mm-hmm. instance, you know, uh, the only thing that comes up is uh, a tagline from the movie A Fistful of Dollars when a man has nothing to lose he has everything to gain have you heard this before when a man has I have nothing to that. lose yes. he has everything to gain so um, I did one of the courses I did during my corporate life was Dale Carnegie and he has a book on how to stop worrying and start living and he has like 10 mm-hmm. points on how to stop worrying and start living and the second one says that think of the worst possible situation or scenario and play it in your head. Okay, you're just playing it in your head. It's not real. You're just playing it in your head. Mm-hmm. And once you play it in your head, it's like the first time because we are always afraid of the first time, you know, the first kiss, the first whatever. We always, you know, go, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. It's the first time, right? But once you play it <laughs> in your head, then when it's going to really happen, you have the experience of having dealt with it the first time. And then, and then it gets easier. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. demythifying in some ways. It's being, which comes up to the next, to the next thought I have is if, if so many people are overcome with fear and we hear so much about living in the now, much of a simple formula to overcome a fear is to drop into the now Yet that can also just be kind of a tagline, live in the now. Yes. And some folks can say, well, how can I live in the now when my world as I see it is so fearful, I keep wanting to pop out of it and wondered what you had to, to say about that. You know, we can take four deep, long breaths, you know. Inhale with your mouth and exhale. No, inhale with your nose and exhale with your mouth, just four, Okay. Breathe in mm-hmm. and exhale with your mouth. Like a, and initially your first breath may be a shallow breath, but because you have exhaled completely, like with a, your next inhalation is going to be longer and deeper. And then you mm-hmm. breathe in all the way into your belly. You can even put your hand on your belly and see it rise and then collapse. You know, just exhale with your mouth and take four of them. You will alter your physical state. You have to, mm. because with, you have flooded mm-hmm. yourself with that much oxygen. You will. And in yogic practice, one of 
next uh, thing that we do is inversion, okay? You just drop your head. Just drop your head because you might be in your office and you might not have the luxury of putting your feet up against the wall and raising it high and get the oxygen in your head. But even if you're sitting on a chair, you know, put your head down between your knees or put it even, just drop it. Like, and all the blood rushes into your head, the oxygen rushes into your head, and you give it space. You let it breathe. And then when you lift your head up, and you're like, oh, it's not so bad. You know, that's very simple, the inversion. Yeah. Wow, that's great. It's funny, you know, thinking about how people often will touch their touch certain parts of their body if they're feeling exasperated. Like if if someone if their frontal lobe or if the front if they're feeling so overwhelmed and can't make a decision, oftentimes mm-hmm. someone will just kind of place their hand on their forehead in exasperation. I don't know how to do it, and it's it's yeah. amazing how how our hands which are often been referred to as our will, will go to the parts of our body that are seeking attention or a mm-hmm. place where we can, like you said, with the left hand on the heart and the right hand on the belly, to be able to get connected again to one's own energy source and there within it is the solution. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's that's really beautiful. I'm I'm curious also how and you've talked about it a little bit. How does one find peace and live in a prosperous life when it seems like so many people again are surrounded in in fear and in the the morphic field of of lack, not enough sleep, not enough time in the day, not enough money, not enough da 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 da. da. How can again someone find come into the space of peace and live a prosperous life? Okay, the first thing people have to understand is you have to define for yourself what does prosperity mean to you. To you, mm-hmm. it's not for anyone else. You cannot have a generic formula for prosperity. Whenever people talk of success, they always talk of financial success, but success is really when you feel joy, you know, the essence of joy, you know, like joy is the essence of success. I read it somewhere, okay, it's not my own, but that is like if you in this moment are feeling joyful, you are a success, okay? I don't care how many credit card debts you have. That's number one. Number two, you Mm -hmm. have to decide for yourself what does prosperity mean to you? And go for that definition. And when you, in every day, one day at a time, just one day at a time, not like five-year goal, one day at a time, today, at the end of the day, everything that you thought you needed, if you can review and say, yes, you can tick mark everything, yes, everything that I wanted to be done today, everything that I wanted to experience today, I did it. That was a successful day. That was a prosperous day. You can sleep in peace. You can sleep in gratitude. And now is the time when you are reviewing today, refresh tomorrow. Okay, what are the few things I need to do tomorrow? And they have to be time-bound. They have to be bound by mm-hmm. time. You cannot make a list of 60 things when, and at the end of the day, you look, man, I didn't even get six done. Yeah, of course, yes, because you did not allot time to it. Everything is time-bound mm-hmm. because... Catherine, this is the honest-to-goodness truth. All you have is time. 
nothing else. Okay, lovers come and go, kids grow up and leave, parents die, sisters go away, like everything. But time is all you have. And what you do with your time is all you can control. And until you run out of time, you cannot leave. And when you run out of time, nothing is going to keep you over here. So when you can prioritize your own time, you will have peace, you will feel prosperous. And no one can take that from you. Mm. Mm. And again, it's it's looking inside, isn't it? And, and it's, yes. again, I keep referencing our culture with looking outside. Many people look outside themselves for what is success, what is prosperity, what is time, what is enough, what is, what is, what is. And meanwhile, their own time is ticking, ticking, ticking. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> another another thought is we're talking about this. If so much is an inside job, yet we're all mm-hmm. part of a collective where each and every one of us is profoundly affected by another's action. How does one's looking inside to determine what their own success and prosperity is, how does that benefit those in the outside world, on the outside world, in the outside world? Even those on the outside world, you know, people can say, okay, this makes me happy, okay? Now, if something makes you happy, the absence of that will bring you sorrow, so you can't go for Mm. happiness. Now people are going for contentment. And contentment comes from achievement. Okay, I have this, I have that, I did this, I did that, and I feel content. But for how long? That's also time-bound. So what, when you transcend that, that is the bliss state, okay? And bliss is, you know, in India, um, in Sanskrit, the word is ananda. Ananda is bliss. And bliss comes from non-duality, from living in this, uh, unifield, okay, because there is no opposite, okay? Mm-hmm. So contentment has discontentment. Happiness has sorrow, okay? Sadness, joy has sorrow. Everything has its opposite. But when you are in the state of bliss, like you really know that you are invincible, you become an untouchable. And everything bows down to you. Everything comes down to you and says, yes, master whatever it is. Mm. So it's like the Tao says, you know, the Tao Te Ching. And Lao Tzu had said this, that the strong can only be below. The gentle will be above. And if you look at a tree, the trunk is strong, but the leaves at the top, the blossoms at the top are gentle. So Mm. if you want to go up, you know, you have to be gentle, not strong. The strength is only the foundation. So the higher you go, the more gentle you become. You have to. Because when you're climbing a mountain top, yeah, there's a lot of effort. And that will make you humble. That will make you gentle. So, again, it goes back to knowing these truths. You know, if people read nothing at all in their life, just read Tao Te Ching, you know, and sit with someone and there are just 54 or 56 aphorisms in them. Take one and meditate on that for a month. 
take another one and meditate <laughs> on that for another month, you will find yourself and you will become mm. that what you have been waiting for. And in many ways, I sense that your experience in the Himalayas was you're becoming gentle to yourself. Oh, yes. Yes. Accepting myself, you know, just the way I was, you know. Because, uh, mm-hmm. again, if you believe that God has created you, why would God create you in a way that was not right for you? And I used to say this even 20 years ago. If people listen to me, there'll be no makeup industry, no fashion industry, no weight loss industry, because everybody's perfect. Everybody yeah. is perfect, you know. I mean, no makeup can make me look prettier than God wants me to look, you know. No no fashion designer can, you know, make me look more gorgeous or glamorous than God intends me to be. I have to just accept myself the way I am right now, and I'll, I'm perfect. Like you say, That's I am light, funny. and light I am. Years ago, Oprah Oprah challenged women to put down their makeup. And it was amazing because different people who worked for Oprah went to these various women's homes and got rid of the makeup. And, and some protested um, that, they, that their husbands or their partners had never seen them without makeup, that they went to bed with makeup, and then before the partner woke up, boom, they had the makeup on their face. And that, that sense of vulnerability and rawness and um, the innocence of showing up just as one was was so profound mm-hmm. and so beautiful to see the women who decided to follow through and not wear makeup for a month or a few weeks, the beauty that they exhibited and also the confidence that exuded from them was so profound Um, that in and of itself, just the makeup and just as a huge word um, in this Mm -hmm. reference was, was profound. So, wow. Yes. I mean, like every flower is beautiful, right? Every has mm-hmm. anyone ever seen an ugly flower? Never. There cannot be an ugly flower. And every human being right. is a flower. Then how come we feel mm-hmm. that some human beings are ugly? That ugliness is within me. It's in the lens I'm mm-hmm. wearing, and that makes me see, mm-hmm. look at something and say that's ugly, because every every human is mm-hmm. like a flower. So everyone is beautiful. I truly believe this. Every human being is beautiful. And now aren't we really up to doing our work um, in lieu of how we started talking in lieu of the polarization and the anger that is, is showing itself, the shadow that is showing itself in order to be healed and to be resolved and to show our light and to show our love and show our tolerance, compassion, and forgiveness um, is imperative now for all of us. Yes, because only what we give, what vibrates within us is what we can give, and only what we give we shall receive, multifold. So if we are Mm -hmm. vibrating at the frequency of fear and sending that around, that is coming back to us 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times. It's like the ocean. Mm-hmm. You stand next to the ocean mm-hmm. and you can toss anything into the ocean and the ocean right away brings it back to you. So mm-hmm. we have to be careful what we are sending out because that's exactly what's going to come back to us, multifold. 
Mm-hmm. So if something if something does come back and a person says, wow, I don't understand, I'm loving, I'm kind, I got this huge energy that came forward that was so harsh and mean and awful and it violated my essence, what would you say to someone at, if they received that and were to talk to you in that okay. way? So here is what, uh, and I come from India, so my background is where I believe that the soul is eternal. And so uh, mm-hmm. a, a very simple word is reincarnation. And uh, mm-hmm. there's two words that I'm going to put over here. One is an empath, okay, and one is reincarnation. Mm-hmm. So things that I am enjoying now may not be from this lifetime. It might be from previous lifetimes, number one, okay? Things I did in the previous lifetime, I'm enjoying the good benefits of that in this lifetime, Okay. So that is my belief system. Number two, when something negative happens to me, okay, it's because of two reasons. One is if I, let's say I took a shower and I'm all clean. Now I'm going to walk through a swamp. I can't call myself clean because I'm walking through a swamp. Everything in the swamp is going to cling to me. I'm picking up the energy of the swamp. So we have Mm -hmm. to be so mindful of who we associate with, what we do in our life, like what we eat, what we drink, what we think. You know, it's, it's not just our physical food. It's our emotional food and the mental food too, okay? What are we feeding our body, our mind, our heart, our soul? And we are picking up that energy, and so this harshness will come our way. And the other answer is when people are empaths, okay? This is their nature. This is how we are wired. I'm an empath myself. I know that. So when I walk Mm -hmm. into places where there's too much of sorrow, I pick up their sorrow. And then I leave that place, and guess what? All that energy followed me. And those people are feeling great because now, you know, I walked among their midst, and they are so blessed and feeling all healed and great. And now I have to deal with that transference of energy. I have to. Mm -hmm. So because energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be transformed. And this is one thing with healers I have seen, that they want to trade, um, you know, do you have a sliding scale? Can you work for free? I have done healing for free. And the moment I don't charge people money, I take on all their karma or whatever it is, their pain, their headache, their diarrhea, whatever it was. Because I did not charge them any money, so that energy came into my life. Now I have to deal with it. So it's very, Mm -hmm. very, very important for at least us, you know, the highly sensitive people to to be very clear why they are going into a situation and what is the intention of it and how are they going to take care of themselves. You know, take self-care is so important and that really ties up with self-love. You have to take care of mm-hmm. yourself. Like for me, I have like a half an hour to an hour's ritual before I go to bed because I don't want to go to bed with everything from that day. I have to clear everything yeah. and go to bed brand new. So when I wake up, I'm brand new. I don't want to wake up today with yesterday's hangover. <laughs> That's what I can say. Call it. But self And you yeah. brought up such such an important point because you and I talked earlier about being highly sensitive 
And with that, some highly sensitive are also highly intuitive and highly empathic. It doesn't necessarily go in that order. So it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting many of the sensitives and the empaths and the intuitives who have gotten flattened with what's happening. And you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, more than once the importance of, of self-care and also being very, very aware of, who one spends their time with, how are they rejuvenating themselves, restoring themselves. And mm-hmm. I do believe that um, I wrote a poem from the eyes of a sensitive that's on YouTube. And it talks about my sense is that those of us that have been blessed with being highly sensitive, empathic, and intuitive are also the ones who are the visionaries and the moderators and mediators and the healers mm-hmm. of of our soul. And so Mm -hmm. to give heart to those who feel like it's a burden right now to know that there are ways to take care. um, Yes. And And to make it through. Yes. They must make themselves a priority. You must make yourself a priority because if you are not important to you, how can you blame anyone Mm -hmm. else for not making you important? It's you, Mm -hmm. your job. Yeah. And again, it goes to taking personal responsibility, being accountable, mm-hmm. and also taking a look at the areas in one's life where there is still the remnants of a victim and honoring that that victim um, and mm-hmm. loving that victim part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm also, this has been such a, a wonderful conversation. I've, I've loved connecting with you um, to the depth that we have. And I, I noticed one thing that you had, one question that you had offered was, and you also alluded to it earlier, that you had only been to a doctor three times, and I believe it was around the birth of your children. How does mm-hmm. one learn to live without doctors and lawyers um, in today's world? Ooh, I love this. Okay. You, the human body is an amazing healing machine. It's an amazing healing machine, mm-hmm. the human body. It knows. It's very intelligent. Like we talked about, it is instinctive, you know. It knows what's right and what's not right. So the best medicine is rest. Rest is the best medicine. The next best medicine is laughter. You have to laugh. You have to laugh. When you laugh, your body automatically heals itself. And the third thing is touch. If you have no one who will touch you, you have to touch yourself. Just rest your hand on your Mm -hmm. knees. And with your own palm, send loving, healing energy to your. You don't have to be a certified healer. Everybody is a healer, okay? Like when a child Mm -hmm. is sick and the mother holds the child, the child feels better and the child goes off to sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter how high their fever is, you know, just from the touch. So touch yourself, you know, your knees, your thighs, your feet, your hands, your face, your head, your chest, through touch, through laughter Mm -hmm. and rest. And vitamin C, Mm -hmm. tons of vitamin C. Tons of vitamins. You cannot overdose on vitamin C because your body will pee it out. You will heal yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to rest. Mm-hmm. Like when people fall sick, they take a medication and then they go back to work. Oh, I need to do this. No, you don't need to do it. You need to sleep. 
you need to sleep. Mm-hmm. You can never over, mm-hmm. and your body will heal itself. Number one, so you don't need a doctor. With the doctors, mm-hmm. and no offense over here, I'm sure there's some because every doctor is a wonderful human being. I have never met a not nice doctor, but the way the practice is in this country is they are you treat a disease. They do not cure a disease. Modern Western medicine is meant to treat diseases, not cure diseases. It's a fact. So mm-hmm. they want sick people, but they want people alive. So the job of the way the pharmaceuticals, the insurance company, and the hospitals is to keep people alive and sick. So that's how they make profits and go on trips to Bahamas, number one. And lawyers are here to be your secretaries. You pay them $500 an hour, yes. But they are your secretaries. Remember that. You are here to use them. Mm -hmm. Don't let them use you. I always tell that to people. Like, Don't think that a lawyer ever... There's a story. Okay, I'll I'll end with the story. Two monkeys, they find a piece of bread and they start fighting. So a cat comes and says, why are you guys fighting? And the monkey says, oh, I saw this bread first. And the other monkey says, I got to it first. So they start fighting over the bread. The cat says, you should not fight. Allow me to help you split it. So the cat splits the bread. And, of course, it's like 45, 55, right? And and gives it to the two monkeys. And they are like, oh, no, this is big and that small. Okay, doesn't matter. I'll take a bite from the bigger one. Now the other one is bigger. They say, oh, sorry, and takes a bite from the other one and keeps doing this, biting each bigger piece, and in the end, the cat eats the entire bread and the monkeys are sitting over scratching their own head. <laughs> and this is what a lawyer is. is not here to help you get an answer or get a solution. The lawyer is here only to make money on their own. All lawyers are friends. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it comes back, bringing it back home again to heal thyself, remembering to heal thyself, trust thyself enough to know that that we have everything that we could possibly need when we wake up in the morning to make it through the day, trusting and knowing that everyone in every situation that presents itself throughout the day within those precious moments are here are here for us to help to help us grow. Thank you so much for such a wonderful, wonderful talk. And do you would you like to leave our audience with any parting words? Just be nice to yourself and remember you are loved. Mm-hmm. And if you ever want to hear mm-hmm. that again, call me and I'll tell you I love you. <laughs> I really do. I really mean it. I love you. Oh, thank you so much. And for you listeners out there, please be kind to yourself during this time of huge transition. And the full moon will be in a couple of days, a wonderful time to celebrate and release that which is not yours. And remember how blessed and loved you are. And we are here for a reason. There are no accidents. And sending everyone love. And thank you. Thank you again for a wonderful conversation. I look forward to connecting with you again. Thank you so much, Catherine, and blessings to everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.